This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome into the Gators Online Podcast, live from Spurs Gridiron Grill. Zach Albaverde, Nick Beltori here. Today we'll be joined in studio by Jeff Cardozo to talk about the epic game at Condren Ballpark the other night between the Gators and Seminoles. A walk-off in the ninth inning, and obviously an exciting weekend here in Gainesville, not only because the regular season for the baseball team comes to an end, but Mick Hubert will be calling his final games mm. for the Gators. A huge announcement today as he is uh, calling it a career after 33 years. We'll get Nick's uh, details and nuggets from his trip to uh, Fort Lauderdale on Wednesday. So a lot to talk about on today's show, and we haven't even gotten to Jimbo yet. Man, oh, that's uh, what's the uh, the old saying? There's no honor amongst thieves. I feel like the SEC and <laughs> and, and college coaches are just like, listen, we're all kind of doing some stuff that might not be uh, by the book. Let's just not telling each other. And all of a sudden, uh, NIL starts happening, and Nick Saban doesn't get the number one recruiting class, and and he's angry, and he's gonna shake his fist, and he's starting to. He's starting to go Takashi six nine and point fingers, <laughs> point fingers, point fingers. Uh, you know, at, at the stand. So it's been crazy to see those two go back and forth. I think Nick Saban uh, is going on a radio show today to respond to the response. He is, he is, and and then we we still got to see Deion Sanders is apparently going to chime in mm-hmm. after Nick Saban called out him and and his top recruit that he mm-hmm. signed. And you got to think that uh. You know, Dion might feed off a little bit of that FSU energy from Jimbo and kind of, you know. Could you imagine being a Pac-12 football fan? Like, you're not doing this right now. No, you're, you're not. not doing this. this is, this is, it just means more. This is well, what it means. And I was talking to you about this before we started recording. I think it's interesting to me uh, how Billy Napier has approached all this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has said some things, like you mentioned, kind of subtly where he is saying, hey, this isn't good. But at the same time, it's here, and if this is what it is, we're going to play to win. And I, I, he's definitely not taking the approach of a Nick Saban or a Lane Kiffin where he's complaining. Mm-hmm. He's he's like, hey, let's let's roll our sleeves up and get after it. It's interesting because it's it's NIL has completely changed the power dynamic. Yeah. Um, I think you know uh, if you're looking at a guy, you know when Christian Robinson first came to Florida, he was making eighty thousand dollars a year. There's dozens of college football players that are making more now with their name, image, and likeness and Christian Robinson. I think you're getting to a point where it's That's like crazy to put it like that. You might have players that are making more on your roster than the guys who are telling them, Hey, you need to win sprints after practice. Or like you need to win sprints after practice. Um, so I think the, the old guard and, you know, Dabo Swinney just said, or said years ago, if they start paying college players, I might have to retire. We're still waiting on, Still waiting on you to, to walk away from, from, from those yeah. uh, salary checks. Um, but it's changing the dynamic. And I don't think that people, you're a type A personality if you're a Division One college football coach. And I don't think you like to have the power dynamic shift. And, and for so long, Nick Saban has been ruling college football. And now Texas A&M comes in and 
Did they do it legally? Did they do it illegally? Nothing has been proven. Um, Got Miami might, out there. They're... We might. Uh, Miami seems to be doing it illegally and flaunting it. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing it illegally. Um, so that means the U is back. The U is actually back. Now that the U is cheating and flaunting it, the U is back. Um, but I think, to me, it, it's just guys who have, have dominated and, and dominated because of rules that yeah. they were used to, and they had things in place that they could be successful. Now the game is changing, and I think Nick Saban either sees – some of that power slipping from him um, and he's lashing out. You know, they say that the, the emperor who loses his empire lashes out. And I think you might be seeing that in Tuscaloosa. Well, you mentioned Clemson and we've obviously talking about Alabama and you mentioned parody. What, what parody in college football? <laughs> I mean, what parody for the, for, for the longest, I think maybe with the before, before Georgia's ascension, before Ohio state, um, when it was, Alabama and Clemson kind of going back and forth, same national championship game matchups. What was like the common theme that everybody would throw out there about those two programs, specifically as it relates to recruiting? Oh, they were getting the best players. Yeah, but what were the fans saying? Oh, they were paying for the They're best They're cheating. Yeah. They're cheating. And Jimbo Fisher came out today and on Thursday and basically said in between the lines that, Nick Saban's been cheating all along. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing for college football fans on Twitter or a message board yeah. to say, oh, Alabama's paying players. For Jimbo Fisher to come right back, take the gloves off, and respond to Saban the way that he did. I mean, mm -hmm. have you seen it? Called him a narcissist. You were, you were driving back from Fort Lauderdale. Have you watched the press oh, conference yet? I, I was in the car streaming it, uh, thanks, to, thanks to Tech Sags, streaming it. I mean, um, look, I, and I know we have some listeners that are not Jimbo Fisher fans, so I'm not yeah. trying to talk about him for too long. But if you have not seen it, it is probably one of the most epic press conferences, if not in, in SEC history and college football history. I yeah. mean, to have one coach going at another coach that aggressively 10 minutes straight Called him a narcissist um, Jimbo Fisher also said he needs to be slapped that's why I left this out here Jimbo <laughs> Fisher also said um you know I don't lie I don't cheat um I learned early on as a boy that if you do those you get smacked in the head maybe he speaking of Saban should have been should slapped. Gotten slapped a little more um didn't take me too long to go find but July 2nd 2020 the Texas A&M <laughs> football program violated NCAA recruiting and countable athletically related activity rules. Part of that was that the head coach, Jimbo Fisher, um, fostered an environment of, um, I forget the term they use, but like unaccountability, fostered a cheating environment. So it's uh, like they say, don't throw stones in a glass house. But, and I think that's why you haven't, he said that today. <laughs> he literally said today, I don't lie. I don't cheat. And I was like, ah, buddy, uh, actually uh, July 2nd, less than two years ago, coming up on two year anniversary, you were on probation uh, yeah. for lying and cheating in recruiting which is what you're being accused of doing now. Yeah. I just think it's, it's a glass. It's a, it's a don't throw stones in a glass house thing. And well, he said, like, I know coaching circles are so tight. And it's like, Hey, Jimbo Fisher worked with Nick Saban. They probably cheated together while on the same staff. That's they, another thing he coaches, alluded to. All these coaches know where the bodies are buried. So it's like, Hey, don't tell the NCAA where I buried my body. Cause I know where we buried that other body that's in your backyard. So that's what, that's what really has been so interesting about this is that for the longest time, that's been, it's almost like, it's almost like a mafia. It's like you, you take a blood oath in. You're a college coach. We're not going to talk about what happens in the family business, whether yeah. it's whether it's dirt or it's good. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, I just and, can't. And now they're talking about it. I just very publicly. 
we haven't been around Billy long. I cannot imagine him going out there in a press conference like that, talking about another coach. Um, and, and I'm not saying Jimbo's wrong for doing it, but like it takes a lot to to get a guy to lose his cool or to, to like break the coach's code, so to speak. And remember what Napier said in that one press conference when he was asked about Georgia's, you know, we don't worry about the neighbor's yard. We got our own grass to mow. And I think he likes to take that attitude, but um, I am just interested to see how this beef between these two coaches is is just going to play out over the course of the summer, how that's sure. going to impact SEC spring meetings, SEC huh. media days. In two weeks, they're going to be in a very small room together. Oh. Jimbo, Jimbo and Nick. Um, I wrote, I wrote about it last night on Gators Online. Take advantage of a seven week or seven day, seven, I almost said seven week, yeah. seven day free membership. Um, talking to Billy about it and, and, and I'll have a couple more stories on it. Cause I think NIL is changing, not just recruiting high school players, but the transfer portal as well. And I think Billy is not complaining about it. Kind of like these guys are, but he, he does want some kind of regulation because right now it, it almost feels like to him, we're playing a board game, but we threw out the rule book years ago. <laughs> and now we're kind of just like making up rules. It's like if you tried to play Monopoly, but you didn't know the rules and you're yeah. like, yeah, no, we're just going to make it up now. I can buy that house because I have more money in the bank than you. So I'm going to buy all three of those. Um, so I think he wants regulation or some guidance, but I also feel like he's not going to get left behind. No. Um, which is what we said to Scott last when we were talking to Scott Strickland. I was like, are you worried about getting left? Are you going to play it as safe and as square? Even if you might get left behind, he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if, Billy's going to be left behind. Not saying that he's going to cheat, but listen, if, if we're if we don't if we if we're playing by rules of combat that are different than the rules that are being enforced, then I will play by the rules of combat. Yeah, and and, and also too, I mean, I, I think that you you look at the way this has kind of played out for Billy. I mean, I, I think that with the establishment of the Gator Guard, as you know, we wrote about last week, sure. they, they're in a place that I think Florida is going to be one of the top NIL powers in college football. So. If you're not a program or don't have an, a, an alumni base and a donor base that can put you in position like that, you're probably going to be one of those coaches that is complaining. And I think the fact that Billy hasn't been speaks to where maybe he feels like Florida can be in this space. Mm -hmm. um, before we get to this break and bring Jeff in here, I do want to talk about your trip to Fort Lauderdale mm -hmm. to see Billy. It was sec his second to last um, speech for his spring speaking tour. Uh, you got you know, Jay, uh, you and Jacob were the only guys to sit down with him. What were some of the things that he had to share with you guys? And, and also what did he have to say to the crowd last night? Yeah, I think the, the first couple of questions I wanted to ask him were about um, his comments. And, and I think, you know, uh, we're, we have kind of like a gotcha society almost. <laughs> and, and he said, Hey, we're going to be very aggressive in the transfer portal. And I think when, when that didn't happen in the spring portal, uh, fans were quick to, you know, start getting on him. Yeah. Um, he was quick to note. We were very aggressive in the winter portal and yep. we got six guys uh, now to play both sides. Three of them were just following you <laughs> from, from your school. Um, but you also get a, a Jack Miller, a Boateng and who's the Jalen Kimber and Jalen Kimber, uh, from Georgia. So you, you did get six. And I think all, all of those guys, I mean, Kimber has a chance to start, um, Montreal Johnson has a chance to start. If not, uh, probably we'll get 100 carries this yeah. year along with the other guys. Torrance is starting. Um, Definitely. Torrance, Torrance is your starter. And, and then, you know, Jack Miller's your backup. 
Yeah. So, so you did one really, play away from starting. One play away from starting from a from behind a quarterback who spent a lot of time in the training room last year. So, uh, you did a really good job in that in that portal. Then I look at, well, they're at eighty nine scholarships yeah. right now. So, how aggressive can you be in this portal? Um, he, I asked him about. You didn't have a lot of guys transfer out. You really had four. You had Emory Jones, Carlos Del Rio, um, a kicker, and Chris Howard. And a defensive player in Jalen Lee. No, not Jalen Lee. Lamar Goods. Yeah. Uh, and, and Lamar Goods. I'm like, you only had four guys leave. And one of them was three days into practice. Yeah. Um, it was when, after he made those comments about being aggressive and mm-hmm. we're going to go out there. They had three guys leave one from each side of the ball. Yeah. So there wasn't this mass exodus that everybody right. anticipated. Right. And, and, and to me, that was, that can be good. Listen. Yeah. It's nothing against Billy or against, you know, a Lincoln Riley at USC. When a new coach comes in, hey, me as a student athlete, I didn't sign up. I didn't, I wasn't recruited by this guy. I didn't sign to play for him. This yeah. isn't the offense or the defense that I feel good in. That's not what I wanted to be here for. I'll try it out in the spring. And I think you and I were both waiting for five, six, seven, eight guys, like guys who tried it out and just didn't like the program. Yeah. Hey, like coach, great guy. Think he could be successful here it's not for me that just never happened yeah we that, literally were like waiting the last few days of the month like here comes may 1st it's, it's like gotta be may happening 1st, waiting on may 1st and now i think yeah i mean you're gonna get a juco um blank on the name but you're gonna get a juco defense alignment that's coming in um there's you know ricky persal per sale i don't know how to say it uh the receiver from arizona state that you're trying to get in but now if you're going to get him then you're at 90 you still have to have a tough conversation with five people yeah um and if it's someone like um let's say like a jordan pouncey who graduates um he can go and play right away and the may 1st deadline doesn't matter to him yeah. but i think have it's to have an, some tough conversations with, with five four or five guys and the reason why is what you also reported and asked billy about in fort lauderdale and got some clarification finally from him, mm-hmm. which was there is no super seniors this year. That yeah. was a one-time waiver from the NCAA last year as a result of the 2020 season. So the four guys that Florida has on its roster that are super seniors are going to count against the yeah. 85. So we thought at that 89 number, had that waiver also been in effect for 2022, the Gators would be in good shape. But 85 right now. And then here's the thing. I, you're not going to tell some of your super seniors that, that they can't come back. No, Trey you, Dean's coming back. The way Bateman talked about Bernie, he's absolutely coming back. So it's going to be, you know, Nick and I are not going to speculate on who some of those players could be. Maybe there's some guys that Napier and the staff already know are on their way out. Maybe they're waiting for the summer so that they can graduate and get their degree before they move on to their next school. So we're just going to have to watch it play out, but there are going to have to be some departures between now and fall training camp. I mean, just a numbers game. Yeah. 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 And, and that's the thing. It was interesting. I, I looked up um, an NCAA bylaw. You can, there, there's a bylaw where you can cut somebody, a new, a first year head coach can cut somebody. You can still honor their academic scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can still pay for their school. Um, but it's just a, a bylaw that the NCAA has in place where the coach who's a first year coach says, Hey, listen, he doesn't want to transfer. I don't want him against my 85. He's not going to play for us. And, and we're above numbers. We will continue paying for his education. Um, but we're going to cut him. And I think it's like a coach designation. Um, that is a bylaw. So maybe that's a, r- a route or an avenue that, that Billy Napier goes. Yeah. 
But to your point, as as you kind of started talking about this topic, the fact that a bunch of guys didn't hit the doors as soon as spring ball ended speaks to everything that we've heard throughout the spring and the offseason, which was that these players are buying into this new staff, that they've created a better player experience for them. Obviously, that was not just talk. Yeah. Because if it had been, you'd have seen about you know five to ten guys say, see ya. Mm-hmm. after practices were over. So we're going to see you guys on the other side of this break. We'll bring Jeff Cardozo in to talk some Florida baseball and also get his thoughts on Billy Napier and his first spring with the Florida Gators. Hi, Steve Spurrier here. You know, making a reservation at my restaurant is easier than a Saturday afternoon homecoming game against Vandy. You don't have to call or email. Just go to Spurriers.com, hit the reservation button, pick a date, number of guests, and a time. It's so simple, I can do it. In fact, I just did. Maybe I'll see you tonight. Looking for more reasons to celebrate? We have them here at Celebration Point. Enjoy some of the newest additions to our already celebratory lineup, like Dave & Buster's, Le Macaron, and Prime & Pearl. There's always a reason to celebrate. Join us anytime for any occasion. Celebration Point, where gators come to celebrate. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Welcome back into the Gators Online Podcast, and we're now joined by our guest of the week, very special man himself, Jeff Cardozo. Little chomp chat connection back yeah, here in the that. Spurs Gridiron Grill. Way back when. Yeah, absolutely. How's it going, my it's friend? It's good. It's uh, obviously a fun, busy time of year. Um you would think that once football ended, it would slow down, but obviously baseball season and everything else for us is a little bit crazy in the spring. Spring's way busier, and now you got postseason and hopefully a little run to Omaha when it's all said and done. No doubt. So we're going to obviously talk some baseball with Jeff. We'll get his thoughts on uh, Billy Napier and the football team as well. But look, man, we got to start with the other night. I was in the ballpark. Nick was in the ballpark. Obviously, you're on the mic. And uh, take us through that ninth inning, man, and, and obviously that uh, – just absolute no doubter, as you called it, by Sterling yeah, I Thompson. Mean, and a lot of fun. And, you know, Nick, you've seen enough baseball. You just, you never know when something's going to happen, what's going to happen. You think, all right, eight and nine, get out. And then Langford gets to a what, two-strike count, and guy throws him a fastball and just a harmless little single says, okay, well, we're going to now keep things going. And then, I don't know, I just you hate to criticize coaches sometimes, but I'm even thinking to myself, thank God he's taken out that dude with a nasty splitter change. Yeah. <laughs> like Thompson already swung over a couple of changeups earlier in the game and struck out. And like, this is playing right into what the Gators can do. And then you look sure. at the dude's numbers, he'd given up three bombs in 10 innings. I'm like, sweet, this is going to go pretty good. And then Thompson just sits on a slider and, and absolutely drills it. So uh, a lot of fun. I think you, you're seeing these guys play a little bit better. Now you still like the bottom part of the order to do some damage and, and contribute a little bit more. You can't win if it's just Langford, Ryan, and um and and Thompson so you know Judd I think will figure it out and some of these other guys will get better but it's uh I mean it's better to be winning than losing down the stretch that's for sure it uh I was wondering why you even pitched to Langford at that point and then you go 3-0 and I think okay well just throw the intentional walk out now yeah. Thompson's 
Uh, he got hit by a pitch, but it struck out twice uh, earlier. And hey, I'd rather pitch to him than maybe the hottest hitter in the country right now. In sure. Langford. Yeah. Um, they, they don't do that, but uh, you get, you get a, two, a two strike single. And then I think it was just uh, overthinking uh, on meat on Martin's part. Yeah. Just get a left on left matchup. And I think they had a, a righty ready in the pen in case, Ju- um, in case Jub was going to get up. I think he's just overthinking it. You got a guy that's shoving. And I even questioned Kevin O'Sullivan. I was like, what are you doing taking Tyler Nesbitt out of the game in the ninth? Yeah. He retired 10 in a row. The only hit he gives up is a bunt because you guys had the third baseman playing too far back. <laughs> not even any fault. Not his fault. Own. Yeah. Yeah. Not even any fault to Tyler Nesbitt. So I think coaches can get into, especially close game, late rivalry game, late in the season, start to, you know, overthink some situations. And I think that's what happened with FSU. I, I just think you have to give such an appreciation for, I mean, you're a South Florida guy. You know Miami was really good against the Gators back mm-hmm. in the day, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, for Sully, even Florida State, but for Sully to win 19 of 24 now mm-hmm. against Florida State, Dominance. like it's just, it's it's dominant over Florida State and Miami. And, you know, they, they do really well midweeks this year with a team yeah. that everybody thinks is down. But I think when it's all said and done, these freshmen are starting to figure it out. Now, our theory is, on the good luck charm there, right? That's not every the time you show that's up. That's not I mean, the working theory at all. <laughs> Listen, I just can't mean the press box. That's yeah, yeah. So uh, I went to the, the the season opener, and then I had a wedding down in South Florida, so I missed Saturday, Sunday against Liberty. Zach covered for me, so the message board three games into the season already Crushing banned him. Zach from <laughs> from then Florida ballpark, now Condor ballpark, who was banned. But now, Zach if I show up as a spectator, they're undefeated. So we we, we got something going there. Good. Um, and obviously, the Gators got it going uh, here recently. What is first of all? Where does that hit in that moment rank in the last maybe five years? Obviously, the Gators walked it off against FSU last time they played in Gainesville, but probably the best moment that we've seen so far in Condren Ballpark. Oh yeah, in Condren Ballpark, I think for sure. And and the crowd was great. So kudos to everybody who showed up. About mm-hmm. seven thousand people there that night. And I don't get to get the true feel of stuff because of the headset. So sometimes I'll take it off, and you just you hear the energy in the crowd, and it makes a difference. Like listen, when yeah. you go to Starkville and there's 12,000 people that are nut jobs yelling and yeah. screaming and you know even Tennessee now but certainly Arkansas and LSU and yeah. places like that I'd love to see the Condren ballpark get like that um yeah that was that was special I think still the the number one has to be the the Lang with a bang and sending them to Omaha call, with the uh, the walk off there and what a call too. yeah that was Lang a fun one bang. I just and that's just something you don't even think about like just whatever <laughs> instinctually comes to you that's now I did want to Jay-Z and Jay-Z in the studio just whatever that's right, comes just to the whatever top of the comes. Head. <laughs> now, luckily, what didn't come to my head, though, was, I mean, you weren't in Missouri, but the ball that uh, Caglione hit mm-hmm. that like went 490 oh, yeah. or whatever it was and very on, on top of the dang indoor facility. I think I paused for about four seconds because I wanted to say like, holy sh- you know, yeah. it's one of those like you just you know it's gone, and it's just when you react like you want to be a fan and just yeah, like yeah, yeah. holy crap. Yeah. Um, but you know, certainly you could tell that that ball was going to be gone off the off the bat. But uh, yeah, playing it up and, and having some fun with it is always awesome. Dude, the estimated distance is four thirty one. It might have been four hundred feet up in the air yes. as well. Just a majestic, no doubt, majestic shot. Still might be coming down. Yeah, honestly, um, and hopefully the Gators don't come down from this high that they've reached. Uh, what is this recent turnaround meant, I think, for this team, and, and how big is it for them to be playing like this head to the postseason? Yeah, I mean, it puts them back in a chance to even host. You, you go and you yeah. beat South Carolina a few times and, and maybe get to the weekend in Hoover. I think you got a chance with the same resume as last year to basically now get one of these spots. Now, the, the tough part's going to be if if they are still 7th or 8th or ninth 
in, in the seeding in the SEC tournament, then there's no way you're going to get a, a top 16 seed when you're eighth in your conference. So yeah. um, if they can somehow sneak up there, get some help this weekend on the last weekend of SEC play, then I mean, who knows? But either way, I think he's figured out some roles. And even without Barco, Sproat's gotten gotten ready and, and he understands things. I mean, Neely's been great. And, and I mean, we've been waiting for Pogue all year. And now he's back and he looks spectacular against Missouri. So hopefully yeah. keep it going. You and I watched Brandon Neely throw 37 innings in the bullpen in Miami. I feel like it, the yeah. second <laughs> inning of every game, he just sent to the bullpen and he started throwing. I'm like, is this kid ever going to throw? And, and he's been a strikeout artist um, since he's come in. And Almost like it. Jeff. I, That's right. Almost like Jeff. I, I looked at his record today. I'm like two and one. Looked at his ERA. I'm like that doesn't tell the, no, the full the tale of, of how good he's looked. Um, and has gotten some tough no decisions as well. I've been wrestling with this in my own mind. Um, I mean, going back, it's crazy that we're talking about potentially hosting because um, <laughs> after getting swept by Tennessee, they were six and twelve in the SEC, the worst start in 15 years, mm -hmm. and we're talking tournament bubble. And to even get to the point where we're talking about hosting. Uh, I think is a remarkable run. I've been wrestling with, are you just beating up on the bad teams? But even if that is the case, you're you're not losing. You're you're, you're right. getting the job done. And obviously, that stretch of Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and, and Tennessee was your your toughest test. Um, started off well, didn't end well. Um, but I think Florida's playing probably the lower tier teams in the SEC. But they're getting the job done. A huge sweep at at Mississippi State should have probably swept at Missouri. Um, and then there's also some of those games against those other teams. You you look and you could think four or five pitches. And, Easy. And, and yeah. you're and six wins better than you yeah, are now. No question. Yeah, so it's good. Um, but I think they are playing better. I think he's mm -hmm. figured out roles for the pitchers and when to use them, when not yeah. to use them. Certainly some of the freshmen, I think, mentally have gotten better. And then you know the, now this uh, this change in the lineup a little bit has, has helped as well. So it's been fun. And obviously trying to uh... – Get back to Omaha. That's going to be the goal, and uh, get one of those uh, chances at a national championship. And I was putting together Mickey Hubert's top ten calls uh, from his career, and obviously that had to go on there, Jeff. And before we let you go, uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on what it's been like to share the booth with Mick and uh, be part of some of those special moments here in the last, you know, five to ten years. And I was telling Nick earlier today, I, I know that there was one of those uh where he like cried afterwards yeah um, so you've you've really seen his true range of emotions yeah and you know i think the, the the greatest thing about mick is i mean one as much as he helped me i mean i wouldn't be where i am as a broadcaster without him and just telling me how to do it the right way to go about it how to prepare i think that's the yeah. biggest thing that i learned from him but he's just he's always just so into it and and you look at a game where you're thinking oh, i'm just talking about a sport whatever it might be but I mean, at the end of the game, I mean, he's sweating, he's into it, he's intense, and it's so fun to watch. I think there, there's a couple. I mean, the, the the moment we cried together was when the Gators won the national title in baseball and okay. in 2017. He's going through that emotional call, and I'm sitting there tearing up, and then it's finally my turn to talk, and like he's crying, I'm crying, and it was it was really really special. But the other one that I'll never forget is was the the LSU game and, and the stop at the goal line, and I'm probably you know for me to right here on Nick <laughs> and you know I'm letting him go through it and make the call and I just put my arm around him and we kind of look at each other and just smile and it was just it was such a cool moment that I'll always remember um but uh, you know for a guy to have done that now for for three decades and 
you know, certainly everybody knows what, what he's meant to, to this university. And I'm just lucky to, you know, spend some of that time with him, but yeah, to, to be able to, to sit there in so many different booths with him and, you know, kind of go to dinners and talk and, and be able to be around him has uh, made me a better person for, yeah. for sure. And one quick one, I might be showing my youth, hopefully showing yeah. my youth here. <laughs> Um, don't want to show your age. Your 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 call when somebody's scoring. He's a brown eyed, handsome man. Yeah. Where does that come from? Well, it's it's from the song Center Field, John okay. Fogarty. You know, baseball guys, you've heard that so yeah. much. So just, you know, and, and it didn't start that way, but you know, every time you'd say it and you're making a call, it's like, all right, there's a guy on second base. So ground ball up the middle, he's rounding third, he's heading for home, and then he's a brown eyed, handsome man. And then that's what the song says. So then uh so John Fogarty, I stole that from you. But I think he stole that from somebody else, what I was told one time, but yeah, so it just always comes into my head, and you know it's cool. Like there was um, my my son played at Buholtz this, this past year, and then the little video comes on during their end of the year banquet, and the first song that comes on is Center Field. Yeah. So you, da, 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 da. and then uh, it comes on. I'm sitting there singing to myself, and then hey, there's the the brown eyed handsome mm-hmm. man part. So that's where it came about. Well, as Billy Napier told me, you know, you learn over time that everything you know you stole from someone else. There you go. Yeah. Um, and Florida fans. You will be able to check out this fall Billy Napier and Jeff Cardozo live from Spurs Gridiron Grill every Thursday for the coaches show. We I think they're switching here. it to Mondays, is what I'm hearing. So oh. it might be on Mondays now, so he can have more time to prepare on the back end of the year. But ah, that's a so, smart move on his part. Yeah. Well, obviously you've had some interactions with him. Just what have been your early impressions so far of him and kind of what he's done this spring with the football? Yeah, program? I mean, just I think the coolest part is you know. You, and I, and I run a, a business. So like I hire people and I trust them to do their jobs sure. and he's made 50 hires, but it's like, Hey, you're designed just to be the guy that sorts the gummy bears or, you know, you're just doing this specific role. So now if you have 50 people doing just that, they're going to be pretty damn good at everything that they do. And I think he's, I mean, personality wise. I mean, the first time I got to meet him, you know, it was actually in a baseball game. It was after he threw out the first pitch and he'd rather sit there and talk about me than him. And I'm trying to talk to him about, you know, everybody and and get it out there. So he's just, he's got that infectious personality. I think, um, you know, there, there's a lot to love about the guy. I'm, I'm really anxious to work with him as we move forward and just kind of be a part of that. I don't know if it's a rebuild, but it's just that process of getting the Gators where they should be. Sure. And he's done it at other places, and I think there's no question in my mind he'll get the Gators to do it as well. Well, we had no question that you were going to come in here and knock it out. And uh, hopefully next time that we see you, man, it'll be after a long trip to, to Omaha. Yeah, always good. So, all right, we're going to catch this break. We'll come back on the other side and wrap up the Gators Online podcast. Appreciate Jeff Cardoza for joining us. Hi, Steve Spurrier here. You know, making a reservation at my restaurant is easier than a Saturday afternoon homecoming game against Vandy. You don't have to call or email. Just go to Spurriers.com, hit the reservation button, pick a date, number of guests, and a time. It's so simple, I can do it. In fact, I just did. Maybe I'll see you tonight. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
Looking for more reasons to celebrate? We have them here at Celebration Point. Enjoy some of the newest additions to our already celebratory lineup, like Dave & Buster's, Le Macaron, and Prime & Pearl. There's always a reason to celebrate. Join us anytime for any occasion. Celebration Point, where Gators come to celebrate. Welcome back into the Gators Online Podcast. Zach and Nick here. Appreciate Jeff for joining us and talking some Florida baseball and uh, Florida football and Going to be interested to uh, see what his son can do. Didn't have a chance to uh, mention that with him, but he's actually at Buholtz, Nick, and is uh, going to be playing some quarterback for the Bobcats, which will give Creed Whittemore an opportunity to play some receiver mm. for them this year, and as he's going to be uh, playing that position for the Gators at the next level. So, uh, All-state baseball pitcher, so... Uh, man. Jeff, if you're watching, already better than Dad. We're already, yeah. we're already, <laughs> already. The apple fell far enough from the tree that uh, we're gonna get some strikeouts and, and hopefully a state championship for them. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, uh, he he got some good genes from Jeff. Yeah, yeah, clearly. And, and Jeff doesn't have to say it. We don't want to put him on the spot, but we'll get to to Mick Hubert a little bit. And we talked to Jeff a little about it, but potential next voice of the Gators. I mean, I didn't want to say it, but, but everybody we, else will. Yeah, yeah, I'll say it. I'll say it for Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, done an absolute fabulous job covering mm -hmm. uh, the the Florida baseball team and being the voice of the Gators there. So he, you know, that used to be mixed role yeah. that uh, that that he held until the 2017 season. So obviously, uh, a kind of turnover there with uh, you know Mick kind of moving on as the Gators bring in a new football mm -hmm. coach, new basketball coach, and obviously a lot of excitement this spring as Napier kind of goes around the state. What was some of the feedback that you saw kind of from the crowd and, and just the anticipation that there's some new energy now with the football program after how last year went? Uh, the crowd was big into recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, and you've been to a couple of these. I'm sure most yeah. of the questions are, are recruiting censored. Um, it, it was a really good crowd at, at the signature grand there. Um, they call it Fort Lauderdale. We call it people who are from there. We call it Davy. Um, but, but it's, uh, it, it was a good crowd. Billy was, was really cool. It was really cool just to be just the two of us, Jacob Rudner, um, and myself there kind of get 20 minutes, just, just us yeah. and Billy. Um, so he was good. And then, and then I think he's gotten the hang of these, uh, these speaking tours and, and the biggest thing I, I got from talking to people after it, my dad was there as well is he's just a really good speaker. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of talk slow and deliberately. They're like, it just seems like he says what he means. And I'm like, well, he talks slow and deliberately. That might be the Georgia in him. But I think that's really what I've heard everybody say, um, fans, um, people around Gainesville that have talked to Billy, is just that um, he, it seems like he cares uh, about the players, about whoever he's talking to at the time. Yeah. And he might just be meeting you, um, you know, uh, for the first time as a fan. And he makes you feel, I think, um, I got that sense with Billy Donovan, you know, when, when I would talk to Billy Donovan a few, few times I was able to, um, very engaging. I remember telling someone, I was like, man, I felt like I was the only person in the room when I was talking to Billy. Uh, and I think, I think Billy Napier gives that kind of feeling that sense, um, to the people that he talks to. Like he's not worried about 8,000 other things or this recruit yeah. or, or what's happening here. He was, he's fully engaged in every conversation that he's having. Um, or dismissive. Cause sometimes you get ridiculous questions at those events and you can. Yeah. And you know, well, that was a lot of hypotheticals. Yes. A lot of hypotheticals. Um, obviously the question that was asked in Pensacola where I was at last week that 
is clearly on the minds of a lot of Gator fans, judging by our page views, was the black uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> he was asked hey, about that in the Q&A. Right and uh, apparently we're going to be seeing those in the Swamp in 2023, mm -hmm. second to last home game. And um, that was something that he had already talked about with Richard Johnson, but mm -hmm. now we know exactly when it's happening, what game, and what time of the season that's happening. I love that he figured out the right way with a great cause to get all these fans on board that have been against because, him for so long. Because it's a very black and white. There's yeah. no gray area. There's not many fans. And if you are one of them, let us know on the message board. But there's not many fans I've ever come across that have been like, ah, I wouldn't mind a black jersey. <laughs> it's either if Florida wears black jerseys, I will go down there and I will burn them myself. Or why can't we wear black jerseys? That'd be the coolest thing ever. A night game in the swamp, black jerseys. This that's school great. does it. Yeah, school does yeah, it. yeah. And, and it's fought, fought The other with, Gator teams do it. Fought with black's not a school color. We shouldn't wear it. So it was a hot button issue. And I think what Billy's doing, if you haven't read about it, and this is the first you're hearing about it, is um, the jerseys, the black jerseys that Florida will wear will be auctioned off um, with that money going to, I think, some of it to like the Wounded Warrior Project or just to local families um, who have had veterans, uh, whether it's first responders yeah. or um, military members who have been wounded in action or have come on hard times after their service is done. Um, Which is the, awesome. The proceeds of those black jerseys. And listen, with the, the amount of enthusiasm for decades that has been building around black jerseys, I think you're going to raise some pretty good money, yeah. some pretty sizable money um, from the from the auctioning off and, of, of an Anthony Richardson black jersey. And but, he knows, too. He's clearly savvy enough to know that this is a hot-button topic because mm -hmm. as soon as it got brought up, you heard the booze, and he grabbed the mic and was like, ah, here's some booze in the back. By the time he got done with his reply, he had gotten three different rounds of applauses. Mm. Um, and in addition to donating the money, they're going to have basically a whole – week dedicated to military appreciation have some uh, somebody from a different branch of the military speak to the team after mm. each day of practice so and as he's breaking this down every time he gets done with another nugget just room goes mm. crazy um so very smart of him to i, I think find a way that it's a win-win for everybody yeah. um and that's going to be coming in uh in, in 2023 kind of goes back to what i was talking about before when everyone says um, I think I think the word I was maybe missing there was intentional. Everything he does is intentional. Yeah. Um, and that, and people are finding that out the first time they see him in person, the first time they have a one-on-one -on -one interaction with him. Um, you're not just doing black jerseys because some people wanted them or kids think they're cool. There's an intention and yeah. a purpose behind it. Yeah, and, and and he knows from being at Louisiana and seeing what starting that tradition with the black uniforms right. and the military appreciation, kind of what that did for his program, what that meant for his players. Um, and, and it just makes sense, especially again, it's not like this is something that is forbidden at the university of Florida. You mm -hmm. literally have other sports teams that wear black jerseys. Baseball has a black Jersey. Basketball has been wearing them. Softball has a black Jersey. Um, They're sick in basketball. Yeah. I'm pulling up. I'm pulling up the schedule. Let, let's figure out what game it could be. So it's going to be in November. It's 2023. 2023. And, and they already have the date for Veterans Day. So I mean, okay. you kind of already know the week that it's going to be. Oh, and then we just we just have the schedule yeah. for then. They don't have it set yet. <clears throat> um, and, and obviously, it's uh, going to be Veterans Day is always November 11th. 
Yes, around that around, around that, that time. time. So it's like you know, it, first it, second game. It'll moment. either be their last SEC game potentially at home, mm-hmm. or could be an FSU game. Oh no, no I have twenty twenty three FSU's yeah. away. Or it'll be like one of those dog teams that they play. Um, you know, which Napier also talked about that uh, mm-hmm. in Pensacola about opening the season with Utah. I had a ton of res- respectful things to say about them, and but was like, hey, I mean, obviously he didn't have anything to do with this scheduling, but he's for playing formidable opponents week one, and I think he better be because we're just going to keep seeing more of that trend. I mean, there's, the yeah. days of opening your season with two cupcake teams are, are kind of mm. over, I think. Yummy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, th- that can lead us into the next the next segment, which is the NCAA came out and and uh, two two big things really yeah. from from this is one um, the initial counter and the recruiting limitations. Uh, you can only have twenty five pe- uh, people signing a class. That's gone with. You can mm-hmm. sign you can sign eighty players in a class if you only had five on scholarship. You should have to be under that eighty five yep. limit when fall camp starts. Um, the other one is the they paved the way, cleared the way for conferences to do away with divisions. The Pac-12 must have known that was coming because yeah. they came out right away and they're like, yep, yep our, we div- are. our divisions are done. Uh, and I think you'll see teams go away with divisions. The, Greg Sankey was asked about it and said, not so fast. The division model works for us. And he says, that works for us and, and we're going to do it. Now, the issue is, and we've talked about this and, and ever since Oklahoma and Texas uh, announced that they were going to be coming to the SEC, at 16 teams, you need to add that ninth SEC game. Yep. You can't have just eight. And, and then how are you going to have divisions? You've got to have pods. So um, I think that'll be a fun exercise. I'll have that up uh, probably next week. I'll try to figure out what a pod would look like, Ooh. you know, because you have four pods, four teams, but there's so many rivalries that you have to have auburn alabama have to play alabama and but tennessee it, have to play but it florida also has to make sense from a geographical standpoint florida and georgia have to play florida and tennessee have to play you can't have georgia auburn tennessee and Al- alabama tennessee florida and georgia in, in a pod that's a ridiculous pod that's yeah. a, that's a that's a crazy pod you can't have that so i think it, it, it's probably gonna be a fun mental exercise or i'll just get sick of it <laughs> um but there's a lot of history and tie-ins and rivalry games you have to uphold yeah can't, it, can't lose it, them it will certainly be um it'll certainly take the sec time i'm sure they've already started to try to figure it out because i've tried to do it before uh and it's tough to find nine conference games putting teams into four pods and uh it'll be interesting but nope no, no doing away with the divisions uh, for the SEC until conference expansion. Yeah, and that's basically what Sankey said is is if there was going to be that time for this conference, it would be when Oklahoma and Texas get added to the league. So you that's, will not have an East and a West when Oklahoma and Texas get Yeah, out. but you're also going to not have the East and, and the West go away before then and, and unless, like he said, our conference leaders come to me and say, hey, we want to do away with divisions. Yep the sentiment that they've shared with him is that they don't want that. So the SEC is not following the lead of the Pac-12. We'll see if any other Power 5 schools, um, you know, decide to do that. But I think everybody knew that that was coming at some point. I think everyone was interested to see what was going to happen with the initial counters and and how and that whole mess because with the transfer portal yeah. and like you mentioned at the start of this podcast 
when you have a coaching change and might have a mass exodus from a roster of 20 to 30 players, Tennessee went through that, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple of years ago, you have to be able to make up for those losses with a huge signing class and you can't be limited by this arbitrary number. So I think USC when, when Lincoln Riley has come over, they've had 40 players leave. And, and some of that is graduation. Um, they had nine players. What, I had four. <laughs> they had nine players declare for the draft. Um, some, I guess you go back to, to January, though, for that Diabate and Bogle and some right, other guys. Right, right, right. So they had like 40, and and some of them was that bylaw that I, that I mentioned before where there's, I think they have five or six guys who were cut from the football team but are just staying at USCS students, and that's getting paid for, which, hey, that's a private school. That's a yeah. that's a that's a big that's a big price tag that uh, that USC is picking up, and, and they're not playing football. Um, but yeah, like forty, and, and you have to hit the portal and have to do things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because with the transfer portal and being able to leave, it's just like okay, well, does Alabama go out and sign forty guys this year? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just tell some guys like, "Hey, we got forty, so like you fifteen need to leave." Yeah, it's it's going to be really, I think, change how teams go about recruiting. I hope hopefully it doesn't have too negative an imp- of an impact on high school. Yeah, uh, guys, maybe it gives them more opportunities potentially. Um, but I'm just glad that there's starting to now be some clarification for that, for mm-hmm. the super seniors. And, you know, as we watch over these coming months, I think we'll see Florida's roster shake out. We'll see if they add any more additions from the transfer portal. Uh, you know, Nick mentioned the defensive lineman, the, the wide receiver from, from Arizona state still waiting on those guys to make their decisions. The defensive lineman will be in town this weekend for an official visit. Um, before we get to this weekend and all the things happening on campus i do want to uh talk with nick a little bit about that game on tuesday Mm. and just his you know standpoint in the press box and just what you feel like this win means for this team in the short term and and obviously maybe potentially with seeding uh for the tournament it's it's wild uh (laughs) florida was so was playing so poorly and looked so lost um i ran out of ways to ask kevin o'sullivan um, you know, just watching these losses, I'm just like, well, I saw you lose that exact same way last week. So <laughs> what did I ask you then? And it's just like, well, lost Saturday the exact same way you lost Friday. So I guess just like run those questions back. And, and, and at that point, I was like, man, Florida is really in danger of, of not making the NCAA tournament. And uh, my first year covering Florida baseball was 2013, and they lost I think like nine, eight, nine guys to the draft that yeah. year from the, you know, that was like the Preston Tucker, Mike Zanino, um, Hudson Randall teams that went in 10, 11, 12 uh, to the College World Series. And then they, they didn't have them in 13 and they barely made the NCAA tournament yep. at one game over 500 uh, and then lost two in the Indiana Regional. And then in 2019, that team really struggled and, and they go to the Lubbock Regional um, and I was out there. Um, I thought, man, Lubbock. Yeah, you can skip that one. Yes, I I, I can imagine. You can skip that one. Um, I thought, man, this team, I don't think they're worse than those two teams, Um, but they're just playing poorly. And it was the worst at six and 12. It was the worst SEC start in 15 years under Kevin O'Sullivan. Um, And and now we mentioned it with Jeff. I mentioned it to Jeff. I'm like, now Sterling Thompson on Tuesday night said, 
yeah, we're hoping to host a regional. And I was like, what? I'm like, how did we get here? I'm like, it's, it's going to be tough, but like, that's an actual conversation that can be had. And five weeks ago, I was wondering if you were going to ever, you were going to even make the tournament. And now we're talking about hosting a regional. What do you attribute the turnaround to? <sighs> You're playing much worse teams. That's, that's that one thing that helps. Um, Florida, it was that three weekend stretch with Arkansas at home, um, Tennessee at home and Vanderbilt. You started off well. You win two out of three against Arkansas. Um, then you lose two out of three at Vanderbilt and you need that Sunday win to avoid getting swept. Yep. And then you get swept at home by Tennessee. Um, Sunday was in devastating fashion as well in extra innings. That was, um, they had that game in the bag. Yeah. Uh, just completely blew it. Blake Purnell had a really bad outing there uh, at the end of that one. I think it's twofold. One, the team is starting to play better. Like Jeff said, they're finding roles. Um, you make a lineup change. Jack Caglianon, um, who's a freshman, he was going through Tommy John surgery. Um, they stick him in. He can't throw a baseball right now. He's still in his throwing program, but he can DH. And, and he's hit some mammoth bombs, including the 480-foot bomb um, in, in Missouri. Um, you put Wyatt Langford uh, at the top of the order. Wyatt Langford's hitting seven for 10 in first at bats with three home runs. Yeah, you wrote about that in three, with online. three home runs. Wyatt Langford is one of the most dangerous hitters in the entire country over the last 12 games since we moved into the first in the leadoff spot. Sterling Thompson's hitting above 430 since being moved uh, into the two hole spot in front of Judd. Um, and, and if you can just get Judd Fabian going, I think he's like two for 30 since his three home run game against um, USF. I think he's like two for 34 with 14 strikeouts. He is just, it's hard to watch right now because uh, you know how good he is. And he's a guy who's sitting on 19 home runs. Yeah. Um, he's under, he's sitting under 250 now with this, with this slump. If you get hit those three going, BT Ryapel sitting over 300, 360 uh, in the last 12 games, that's your, your first four batters. And then you've got Caglianon and, and Evans who are uh, freshmen who are coming on that's a really tough lineup the way Brandon Sprout's pitching the way Brandon Neely's yeah, pitching and you finally get Nick Pogue who hasn't picked up his velocity yet but is giving you solid innings on a Sunday I'm looking at this Florida team and I'm thinking even if they don't host a regional this is not a number two seed the way that they're playing right now that anyone who's hosting wants in their region and <laughs> even if the caveat to me saying I don't want to sound too negative I'm saying like oh they're just beating up on bad teams but even that you're you're still gaining confidence and i think that's what you're seeing with florida yeah. after losing to tennessee like this team was was beaten they were down there was no confidence so even though you're beating missouri who's the worst team in the sec mississippi state who lost their their best pitcher um and, and lost like nine nine guys from the national championship team even though you're not beating the good the best teams you're winning you're finding different ways to win whether it's a walk off whether you're beating somebody um you know 13 to nothing um, you're finding different ways to win and you're getting confidence. So I think that's a huge thing for Florida. Um, hosting a regional, what would that take? You'd probably have to sweep South Carolina this weekend. Which they can do. Which they can do. Um, South Carolina comes in one game over 500. Um, and and they're, South Carolina essentially needs to sweep Florida to make the NCAA tournament. Um, Florida could sweep South Carolina. And if you sweep South Carolina and win four games in Hoover, get to the weekend, like Jeff said, Outside outside chance. Now, if you sweep South, if you win your next five games, <laughs> your next six games, and sweep South Carolina Ooh. and win the SC tournament, I think that would make Florida uh, a host. But listen, 
I was thinking the season was going to end this weekend or, or next week in Hoover uh, about a month ago. So I'm just happy that I'll have more more college baseball to watch and, and to write about. Um, thanks to this, you know, th- these last 15 or so ga- days, not, uh, 12 games. Well, if there's going to be a little bit of magic in the air for McHubert calling his final games, then maybe the Gators will get right? that sweet. Is, is, there, is there something to that? Can Mick get a, a storybook ending? Oh, man. That would be cool. Um, what I, was what was real quick? Because I know I talked forever there. What was your perspective of Sterling Thompson's home run um, as, as a as a fan or, or uh, someone in attendance? Yes, yeah. <laughs> we didn't have any orange and blue on, uh, but I decided, hey, you know what? Baseball season's almost over. It's a midweek game. Didn't have any stories to write, so I'm like, you know what? I'm taking the boys out Mm -hmm. to the game um and you know that's great at florida that you can just on a whim decide to go to a baseball game and go get some berm tickets um now even showing up to the ballpark i could have bought some other like chair backs but of course my boys wanted to be in the foul ball area Mm -hmm. because they're trying to catch um some foul balls so we happened to be on the right berm and watched this ball get crushed right over our heads. And uh, to be over there in the berm and have that place go crazy and the lights in the stadium, like it's a really cool atmosphere that they've created there. Um, I mean, you had walk-offs in uh, McKeithen, but this is like, mm-hmm. I think when you walk it off there, it's a party. Um, and yeah, man, like I, that's something that my boys will never forget um, seeing that. And it was funny with my son, like, you know, one of them, Sean, he's all about baseball, and the other one's more of a hoops football fan, so he's not really into baseball like that. He'll go to the games, but he's not invested. And he was invested that ninth inning, yeah. though. He got sucked in as the game went on, and um, you, you can't help but enjoy a game like that. Yeah, so uh, sports are so special that way. It's like a, that's a memory that you'll have with with your sons forever. Um, I have a memory of my dad and my grandpa who, who passed away when I was in fifth grade, but we were at Al Leiter's no hitter in Miami and I must've been six, seven years old at the time. Oh wow! And, and I start asking dad and grandpa, like, Hey, can we leave? I'm tired. It's like a Wednesday night. Uh, it's the fifth inning. It's dark. It's late. I want to go to bed. They're like, you shut up. <laughs> you are not you leaving the scene. They're like, you don't know exactly what's happening right now, but, but we're will. not leaving this until someone gets a hit or the game is over. Um, so that's a funny story. Yep, they didn't let me leave, and, and now I have that memory uh, of me trying to leave outliers no hitter <laughs> and my well, grandparent and my, my grandpa and my dad not letting me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, for all you Florida fans out there, I want to take you and encourage you to take a trip down memory lane. Go to Gators Online, and I put mm. together a story where you can listen to the top 10 calls that Mick Hubert made during his career as the voice of the Florida Gators. Um Top 10, I think, at least. Um, I told Zach to do, do like, a top five, and then the story gets published, and there's 10. Yeah, so, yeah. You, so. you, you could not limit Mick Hubert's 33-year career mm-hmm. down to five calls. It was just impossible. Um, I will say that one that was included in the story but didn't make the list only because I could not find an audio of it was his call from 1997 when the Gators upset number one Florida State. Dwayne Thomas gets the pick, and he makes the legendary call, it's an insane asylum in the swamp. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of referenced that in, in more recent years Harry on the Hail Mary. He, he um, re, uh, referenced it on Brad Stewart's pick six. Mm-hmm. I put both of those on there. So um, obviously some iconic 
moments from him. What do you think is – what are some of the ones that you – stick out to you the most that you remember um baseball obviously like jeff talked about that was yeah epic. 2017 um that that was a good one um what's the one quesi's behind the defense is one that i remember um i remember the the heave to cleave it's so funny because people always ask us about that and they're like oh well what's uh, what's it like to watch a game like that? You're like, it's a really cool moment, but yeah. you also like press control alt delete on everything you've written. And you like, you restart at <laughs> that moment. So it's like the place is going nuts. McHubert's going nuts. And the press box is like cursing under its breath. Like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to get all this story capture this moment? Um, and, and it's hard because like you're, you're ranking them. And like, obviously one that made the list was the call from 1996 when the Gators won their first mm -hmm. national championship. And greatest moment in gator football history but like he's not as into it in that moment because it was 52 to 20 like the yeah. game was over mm -hmm. he doesn't have the same juice as he does on like the heave to cleave mm -hmm. or you know one that didn't make the list because it just wasn't significant enough but tyree appleby's game winning three against ohio state yeah he lost his mind chris chioza's uh yes, runner against that, wisconsin that was on the Garden, list square garden that was on the list. Um, so, yeah, I encourage you guys to go do that and um, and, and definitely share with us what, what were some of yours also. On, on yeah, I mean, there might be some, too, that that I and Nick and I don't remember from, you know, the 90s that, that aren't as obvious as like Doring's got a touchdown. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm 30. I'm 33. You're 32. Yeah. So Mick was doing Mick was calling three games before Zach was even a, a thought. Well, actually, that's not true. Oh. Uh, he was, he started in 1989, which was the year I was born. I'm an eighties baby. So, okay. um, he has called every single Florida football game since 1989, which mm -hmm. is pretty impressive. So I literally grew up on Mick Hubert. So, uh, there will never be another like him without a doubt. So it'll be fun to see kind of him get the farewell yeah. um this weekend at Condren ballpark so encourage everybody to go check out nick's story on his retirement uh go back and check out those top 10 calls from his career and also if you're out at the game on saturday make your way over to the fan fest from gator collective because they are going to have football players yep. basketball players players from all sports there volleyball basketball yeah. uh i think gymnastics as well yeah and shannon snell is going to be out there you already know there's going to be some elite ribs. yeah some elite barbecue and i even saw on thursday from the gator collective twitter that it looks like Billy Napier is going to be in the oh. house as well. So if you guys haven't bought tickets to that, um, go follow Gator Collective and you can still sign up for that event. Nick and I are going to plan on making our way over there. I mean, anytime I know that there's ribs being cooked, I'm trying to show up. <laughs> so um, appreciate Jeff for joining us on today's show and uh, recapping that epic game against uh, Florida State. Nick will be there this weekend as the Gators wrap up the regular season and get ready for the postseason and see where we go from here. So, for Nick, I'm Zach Albaverde. See you guys next week.